0: The show is upon us once again. So good to have you here for the next half hour. Reaching out. John Pincus is your guy. 1-855-821-5900. Partner, Sanfiru, Chamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country. So don't hesitate to reach out. And get some information, have a chat, get educated, get smarter about your employment rights. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email. And we always tell people, direct them to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of information about, you know, I am my contractor, you know, union stuff, non-union stuff, all the questions. A lot of the topics we cover here in the show uh, nightly are covered at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So you can peruse that at your leisure. There's also the seven pay calculator in there as well, which is a great tool. Two million plus people have used it. And realize what their severance offer really should be. Their common law rights. The number might surprise you, but it is accurate. Coming up, employment law red flags. We'll start chipping away at those, John. But you'll always start off with the uh, the case of the day. What do we got?
1: Yeah, this is a very uh, you know this is a very important case. I think for people to know uh, if you're an employee, uh, because it is just so so common. Um, so I hope that that uh, people are, are listening. If you find yourself or anyone you know in this kind of situation. This situation I want to talk about involves a salesperson who was terminated without cause after working for a company for 30 years. 30 years, right? Started in the 1990s. She earned a base salary of $100,000 and commissions of anywhere between $20,000 to $30,000 per year. Now, naturally, this was absolutely devastating uh, to her to to lose her job after so many years. But to add insult to injury, when she got her termination letter, the company said, well, we're sorry to have to let you go, but we are going to give you a fair severance package in accordance with the employment agreement that you signed five years ago. Ah. And that means we owe you 34 weeks pay based on your last 12 weeks earnings. And we're so nice, we'll even give you another four weeks if you sign a release So she came to me terribly upset uh, because uh, after so much time, she figured she could be entitled to up to two years' pay. That's what she figured. And she says, oh, my goodness, I, I, I checked. And, yes, I did sign that employment agreement. I can't believe I signed it. I thought it was just the company to update its records. I had no idea I was giving up such a huge amount of money. Well, I looked at the contract. And fortunately for her, the the termination clause that she signed was illegal, completely illegal, simply no chance that it was gonna hold any water. And what that meant is the contract was not worth the paper that was written on. It was worth nothing. It did not impact her entitlements. And in fact, it was like she never signed the employment contract in the first place. And this meant that she was owed her full common law entitlements, up to 24 months pay. So two important lessons here. For employees. And we talk about this all the time, but it really bears repeating. Number one, very important please, please, please do not sign an employment agreement without speaking to an employment lawyer, especially if you are already employed somewhere. You want to go into this with open eyes. The devil is always in the details. Remember that these employment agreements are almost never written for your benefit as an employee, they are written for the benefit of an employer. Secondly, before you agree to a severance package, no matter what your employer is telling you, what they're relying on, or what you may have or may have not signed, always, always have that severance package reviewed by a lawyer. Yes. Even if you sign an employment agreement and it contains a limiting termination clause, that may not be the end of the story. In fact, mm-hmm. it, it very often is not. The vast majority of termination clauses that I see on a daily basis are not enforceable at all. So give us a call. Employment lawyers are here for this reason
0: one 821 5900 is that number. Use it, store it, keep it. You might need John someday sooner than you think, but uh, you can call him anytime and talk about what we talk about on the show. Anyway, let's get into this, pal. Employment law red flags. Number one, despite many stellar performance reviews, your employer puts you on a performance improvement plan. That's right. This is a big red
1: flag because yeah. not only if they're doing this, not only are they trying uh, – to build a case to fire you, but they're likely trying to build a case to fire you for just cause. And if they do that, that means that they are not going to offer you any severance. And you are going to have to argue with these allegations that are made against you. The employer is not uh, going to only rely on these. They're, they're going to rely on these warnings. Uh, they may rely on other things. They're going to claim that you were incorrigible. They're going to claim that it had no choice. Then they may escalate it to a suspension. So, you know, the question then becomes, what do you do? Well, the first thing that you do is you look through it Review it very carefully and see if there are some criticisms that are fair and some that are not fair. And certainly if there's some that are fair, you commit to improve it and you make sure that you actually follow through with it. Get any supports from the employer that you need. If there are criticisms there that are unfair, state your disagreement in writing, do it politely, do it civilly, uh, bring it up in your bring up your performance review. If there are things that you were genuinely s- surprised or just made about uh, that seem to come out of nowhere, express that to the employer in writing the email again. Do it politely because you never know what you're, who's, who that email is going to be in front of one day, uh, but you do want to put it in writing. And if you are let go, because, I mean, as much as you try, you can't ultimately stop them from letting you go, whether it's with cause or without cause. Please go ahead, speak to an employment lawyer, at least know whether the severance package you've been offered is fair.
0: Red flag number two, your employer gives you half of your coworker's workload and moves you to a little office much further away.
1: Right, right. So that's definitely a red flag. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have uh, a right to claim a constructor dismissal, but certainly the words constructive dismissal come to mind when these kinds of things happen. But you have to be very careful. You don't want to just leave as soon as something like that happens. What you want to do is you want to speak with an employment lawyer so that we can help you determine whether it's a constructive dismissal and i'll tell you some of the things that we look at we're going to look at first your employment agreement right does your employment agreement uh, address in some way that you can be moved Uh, does it address you know within which region you can be moved does it address that your duties may change and what's the language there Uh, and then we're going to ask you know has this something that's happened before and if it has happened before how long ago did it happen what was the nature of the past change Um, and what's the nature of the change that's happening right now. So those are things that we can do with you during uh, an assessment, and we can tell you during a consultation, and we can tell you what the likelihood that your case for constructive dismissal um, uh, will be uh, successful. Now, if you're going to act, you need to act quickly, uh, because if you don't act quickly, uh, your employer is going to argue that you will uh, have acquiesced to those changes. Um, So in terms of acting quickly, you know, you know, you got to act quickly, but you also know you shouldn't be doing it alone. So it means you need to speak with an employment lawyer quickly, we can help guide you through the situations, you can prepare a written response, expressing your disagreement, ask them to reverse the change, and potentially, if all else fails, and you really can't tolerate the changes, potentially an action for constructive dismissal, that should be a last resort, don't do it without a lawyer.
0: Again, reaching out to John anytime, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Next one here is uh, red flag. After a few years in the job, your employer asks you, oh, we hate this one, to sign a new employment agreement. How about that?
1: Yeah, all the sirens should be going off here. Huge, <laughs> huge, huge red flag. Uh, you know, think about that first example that we talked about at the top of the hour today. We, we talked about... Um, Uh, situation where uh, someone had signed a termination clause. And as a result, uh, their employer offered them a fraction, less than half of their full entitlements. Now that person got lucky. She was lucky because her termination clause happened to be non-enforceable and most of them are not, but some of them are. And if that termination clause is enforceable and you've signed off your rights, there is nothing we can do for you. Absolutely nothing. So you want to make sure that at the time that that employment agreement is given to you um, you you think about whether you want to sign it now you may say to yourself well if I don't sign it they're going to let you go, they're going to let me go and that's that may be true they may do that but they may let you go anyway and if they are going to let you go because often if they're giving you this termination clause it's so that they can let you go with minimal okay. liability you at least want to do it with your full rights
0: Again, we'll move to one more here before we get to a get to a break. Employment law red flags. You've been, you've asked your employer twice to investigate sexual harassment by a coworker. Still, nothing's been done about it.
1: It'd be amazing to me to see these things still happen in this day and age. But I I know that they still do. Uh, so of course, you want to state your complaint. Uh, put it in writing. Include the dates that you made the complaints. Uh, Do this by email uh, and send it to either your manager, the owner, um, human resources. If you have a human resources department at the place that you work, Uh, consider if you have a witness statement, consider if you have photographic evidence, documentary evidence, put it all out there. If the investigation process is not started and the employer is refusing to do this, do not wait forever take action yourself, talk to an employment lawyer, let's come up with a plan. And if the situations become intolerable, consider speaking to a doctor, taking a a stress leave, uh, so that we can uh, decide how to respond to the situation.
0: We'll get to uh, one or two more of these before we wrap for this particular show. We're talking about employment law, red flags, where an employer says you weren't the right fit for the job. And they don't fire you, they fire you for cause. That's right. Um, if they do
1: that, uh, then, uh, well, they've now just issued the capital punishment of employment law, and we've yep. got to look at whether you're entitled to severance. Now, your employer is allowed to fire you for almost any reason, unless it is discriminatory. But if it is without cause, they must pay severance. And if they refuse to pay severance, your employer could be responsible for further damages in extreme cases. So, hey, if any employers listening, please don't do this.
0: And with that, we'll wrap it for uh, pretty much another day. If you've uh, learned lots, we, uh, we appreciate you sticking around. If you want to learn more, you can easily do so. Number one, you can call John and his team. They'll always talk to you. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email we always uh, pull from is help at employmentlawyer.ca, because that's easy for you to remember. And there's a website that's free and anonymous, full of information. Again, you should be using this even if you don't need them right away, just to learn more and possibly take the uh, severance pay calculator out for a bit of a spin. That would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And justemploymentlawyer.ca, there's a, a media tab on that website, the firm website, and that's That'll lead you to our long-running TV show as well. John, good stuff. Hang on. We got more employment law red flags uh, on the way. In the meantime, write the number down 1 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue. Employment Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Good to have you here. John Pincus, partner, Sam Firu, to Mark and LLP, is here answering all of your questions. Uh, off air, here's how you do it 1 855 821 5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. Let's get into more of these. John, Employment Law Red flags. You got a heck of a list here. We'll try to get our way through some of these and then move on to a couple emails. Uh, next one is this You're laid off after un- uh, undergoing major surgery despite the boss promising full time work upon your return. Right. Well, this is, uh, this is a big red flag. And this is, uh, you know, this is often a big
1: red flag when an employer uh, comes uh, to me uh, with these kinds of situations, very difficult to navigate. And in fairness, you know, disabilities at work are, are one of the most challenging things that employers have to deal in the workplace and something that they should always be doing with the help and guidance of an employment lawyer um, if they run into difficulty. Uh, so if any part of a dismissal is tainted by a discriminatory motive, and I do find that disability is the one that I see the most frequently, that's going to be uh, a human rights violation and will lead to human rights damages. Um, And on top of that, the Biggest issue here is likely going to be the severance because severance entitlements are typically the most significant entitlement you're going to have. And your severance entitlement may actually be greater in this situation because the law recognizes that those who have a disability at the time of dismissal, particularly if the employer knows about it, is going to need a longer period of time to find a new job and therefore is going to need more severance. 1
0: 821 5900 is the number to reach out anytime. Let's grab a quick email, John, before we, uh, we move along. Joan, to John, here's how it goes. Uh, how many hours do you have to work before you're entitled to overtime? Simple question, right?
1: Right. Well, the first thing is, are you entitled to overtime in the first place, right? Because yeah. not everyone's entitled to overtime. There are certain exemptions for certain professionals, for managers, uh, supervisors, etc. So that's the first question. If you're entitled to overtime, the typical uh, threshold before you begin to accumulate overtime pay is 44 hours, okay. but that uh, does depend on your occupation. There are certain uh, certain roles, such as certain... Um, uh, truck drivers, you know, trailer tractor drivers that uh, have uh, different thresholds for overtime. So if you're concerned, this is one of those few cases where it actually is appropriate to consult with the Ministry of Labour because unlike severance, uh, where the Ministry of Labour can't really give you the full picture, when it comes to overtime, the Ministry of Labour actually can give you the full picture. So feel free uh, to check on their websites or give them a call about that if you're, you're confused or give us a call.
0: Yeah, you mentioned lots of times there's uh, several vocations that don't qualify, like managers don't get overtime, IT professionals, pool cleaners, which is so random and bizarre, but pool cleaners Mm -hmm. are on that list Mm -hmm. as well as far as not getting overtime. Uh, We'll try to get to more emails before we wrap, but want to move on to this. You're not really an independent contractor. Wait, what? You want to do some homework on your own, by the way, as we get into some of these talking points, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca has a section on contractor versus not a contractor, so check that out. First one, what is the difference between an independent contractor and an employee? Does it really matter? Oh boy, John! How long have we got here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: well, I'll try and uh, I'll try and boil it down to the basics. Uh, this is a very complicated situation, uh, a complicated analysis, and, and usually does take a phone call on a case by case basis. But there are certain signposts that we look for for sure. Um, now, it does matter, of course, for tax reasons that we won't get into on this show, but it matters for employment reasons as well. It matters because of severance, overtime, minimum wage standards, vacation pay, statutory holidays, employment insurance. The list goes on and on and on. This is one of the most important issues when you're starting a new job is, is it a job or is it a gig? Is it a contract, right? And this is we see these disputes play on small scale uh, in individual cases and on uh, a, gra- a grander scale like in the uh, Uber class action. So, you know, what is the difference? Well, the difference is if you're an employee, you are in business for the company. An independent contractor is in business for themselves. That's typically what we're looking at. And there's a few signposts, as I said, that we that we uh, look at. Uh, so an employee takes direction from the company. An independent contractor usually has the freedom to do what they want. An independent contractor is often going to use their own tools, to make their own investments, uh, and may have variable compensation. An employee is going to have a set compensation, probably a salary, maybe a commission structure, uh, and they're going to have a reliable source of income. Uh, an independent contractor may have other people that work for them, subtrades, subcontractors, typically not the case for an employee. And the other thing is, uh, an an employee is often going to be very dependent on an employer. Uh, Independent contractors, typically not dependent. Now, the difference is not just the fact that you issue invoices and charge HST. That's the big thing. I mean, if you are being called an independent contractor, then almost invariably, that's what's going to be happening. But that's not the end of the analysis. Very important to remember
0: can you remain an independent contractor if you don't meet the criteria to be one? And, like, I mean, what if both the employee and the employer say, yeah, you good with it? Yeah, I'm good with it. You're an independent contractor. There's your destination. Let's roll. No, because what the courts care about, what the law cares about here,
1: is what the actual facts on the ground are. You know, you can come up with a contract and say that you're the Queen of England does not mean that you are the queen of England, right? (laughs) You actually have to prove that you wear the crown, right? And so this is, uh, you know, it's like if it walks like a duck, right? If it walks like an employee and it talks like an employee, it's an employee. And that has employment standards, um, consequences that has consequences for your rights on termination. So this is very important for employers too. And often I'm telling employers like, look, I know you want to hire this person as a uh, as a contractor, but you got to think: Is this going to put you at risk? Is it going to put this person at risk? It may actually not be in anyone's interest. So The time to think about that is at the beginning of the relationship.
0: Yeah, I guess if it was that easy, the entire world would be nothing but independent contractors.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
0: Depending on what side of the, the side of the fence you're standing on, for sure. That's does right. being uh, you know incorporated? We hear that term all the time. Does being incorporated give you independent contractor status, or is it related at all?
1: Well, um, it certainly doesn't for employment standards purposes. That's very common. That's almost as common as uh, having invoices issued, right? right. So mm-hmm. uh, it may create tax issues for you. It may have tax benefits for you. but And that's why you want to be careful and work with an accountant on that if you're not familiar with those rules. But from an employment law perspective, it really changes very little.
0: Emails, help at ca. Last few minutes, let's get into uh, another one of these. Uh, Jesse this time says, hey, John, I'm dealing with a lot of uh, mental anxiety and it's really starting to impact my work. I received a performance improvement plan yesterday and I'm nervous to disclose my issue. Uh, what do I do?
1: Well, as, as much as I know you're uncomfortable to disclose it, if you don't disclose it, the risk that you have is that you won't be accommodated. Um, so you know we we certainly are moving past uh, the stigma of a uh, mental anxiety, although that that is definitely a real problem that continues to exist. So there's not much that you can do ab- about it if you don't disclose it. And I, I certainly get the hesitation. It's very difficult. Uh, um, and there's a lot of prejudice still out there about um, psychological disabilities. But you should disclose it, uh, particularly because you got a, a performance improvement plan. And if you disclose it, your employer may actually decide to respond the right way, which is to accommodate you and to look at your performance in the context context of what you're suffering from. You may need time off. You may need to go on disability insurance. um, And these are things that can only happen if you disclose that you're, you know, that you're suffering. Doesn't mean you need to disclose all the details, but you do need to disclose that you're suffering.
0: Avi is up next says, uh, my employer just told me if I don't sign a non-compete agreement, I'm fired. Is there anything I can do to stop them? Well, there's, uh, first of all,
1: it, it may be worth mentioning, if you're not an executive, that non competition agreements are generally speaking illegal now in the province of Ontario. Right. So that's the first thing that I would say. Now, um, on the other hand, is there anything that you can do to stop them from firing you? No, you can't. You can't stop them from firing. You can't physically stop them. If they're going to fire you, they're going to fire you. All you can do um, is uh, agree. is. Pursue compensation for yourself afterwards, and that's something that we can help you with.
0: Let's move on to another one of these. I think we got uh, some time from Kim. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca says, I just received a terrible reference from my old employer. Can I sue them? Wow. Well,
1: you can try, but I can tell you from personal experience that um, having uh, been on on both sides of this issue, uh, it is a very, very, difficult thing to do. Employers have a lot of leeway in what they tell other employers uh, when they're called for a reference. Even if the information they give is not strictly accurate, uh, as long as they can prove they didn't do it maliciously, uh, you're going to have a lot of of trouble getting any compensation. So what you may want to do is you may want to look at whether you're owed anything for severance from the old employer, because often in the context of severance negotiations, we can negotiate protections for you in this regard.
0: Dale's got the last call on these uh, these emails, help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, anytime you want to send one along, not just for John to answer now, but anytime. He gets a ton of them. So he's got a crew working on them too. So Dave says, uh, I've been off work for three years. I've passed the age of 65 and no longer qualify for LTD benefits. Does my employer owe me anything?
1: Well, if you've been off for work for three years and it doesn't look like you're coming back anytime soon, then your employment may be Frustrated. If it's frustrated, uh, in in other words, meaning it's become impossible to continue. That's what frustration means in in, in uh, plain terms. Uh, then you can seek compensation, but it's only going to be your minimum compensation. It will not be your full entitlement. So yes, you can do something. Um, and if you don't qualify for, uh, your benefits anymore, um, then, uh, there may not be any reason to maintain that connection with the employer. So definitely give us a call. Let's talk about what we can do.
0: Yeah, LTD benefits, most uh, uh, policies rather do uh, wrap it up at age 65. So, David, said it's well worth that phone call. By the way, the other half of what the firm does is disability law. Just as a a bit of an FYI there, you want to reach out, you can do so. You've got the email address. But for everybody else, now that we're wrapping for the show, it is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That phone number you can use. Anytime we ask you to is one 821 and that website that has the uh, severance pay calculator built into it and all kinds of other information and reach out as well would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is where you want to go. There's a, a media tab on that website, the firm website, and that'll lead you to our long running TV show as well. Thank you so much for all your contributions and we'll uh, we'll pick it up again on the next show. This has been the Employment Law Show.